Today I, I, I wanted to talk about faith. And uh, before we begin, I'm going to ask that we just bow our heads again for prayer. Father in heaven, I want to thank you for this congregation. Thank you for the work of your Spirit's blessing that we've already uh, partaken of today. Thank you for the involvement of the membership and their desire to do your will according to the Bible. Lord, we're living in interesting times, times where we need to increase our faith. And so, Lord, I'm asking today that you'll touch my lips and forgive me of my sins and, and help us, Lord, to really hear your voice through your word today. Open our hearts and our minds that we might receive a blessing and make a kingdom difference in our hearts and in the community in which we reach out to. Bless us to this end, Lord. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So when I accepted Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior, you have to understand I didn't, I didn't lose a life. I got a life. I really did. And I was so grateful. Um, when Sandra and I first, I used to work in retail management with Woolworths Woco. I did have a partnership with my brothers, and we had a music store. And it was in that music store in Camels Bridge, Columbia, that, that I was witnessed to by uh, actually a Seventh-day Adventist who had left the church. And uh, it's an interesting thing because, um, you know, as a secular person, Sandra and I were always good people, but we were not churched. You know, we didn't have the same worldview, but we weren't over the, off the charts. You know, uh, we just simply were people that wanted to do well and didn't have a knowledge of the gospel. Um, but Terry witnessed to me, he was actually in the bar, I have to confess, I was in there soliciting the bands and talking to them, and I had received a, a, a literature uh, from someone that was involved in Eastern mysticism, and I had just casually mentioned this to him, and Terry, he was already quite drunk, he was quite drunk, he'd left the church, but in his drunken stupor, he told me, he said, if you want to know about spiritual things, you need to read the Bible, and I was, I have to say that I was, you know, I I was not impressed with that, you know, and I kind of shamed him out, you know. I, but he came to back to my house three days later, brought his Bible, and he said, you know, I just can't leave alone. I need to talk to you. I need to tell you. And he told me about Jesus. We began to study him. Sandra and I, uh, we were both baptized. Terry was re-baptized. Uh, he went on to marry the pastor's wife and have a bunch of kids, and we still keep in touch. And music has always been an important part of our ministry. For me, it's how I cope, quite frankly, I do. I, I go home and I, I sing every day, usually for half an hour, 45 minutes, and go back to the office. You know, I want to keep focused, you know, and there's a lot that comes along, and we can be so proud of God's leading. So really, when I do these concerts, I just want to open my heart. It's something I, I don't promote it. If I'm asked to sing, I always sing, and, and God has been good. So uh, you'll be encouraged by that. But I believe that we're living in a time and a place where we need our faith to be strengthened. Uh, I love the Lord, brethren. I've always loved the Lord. Uh, but I've come to understand that uh, as time has progressed and as influence has, um, has grown for me, that the devotional life that I've always had or the one that I had at the beginning is not adequate for today. It's not. And I want to encourage you that the Lord would increase your faith. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Mark, the fifth chapter, and verses 25 to 34. And we're going to take a look at this lady who uh, had tremendous faith really she reached out to Jesus and in her reaching out um, there's a message for us I can just imagine that once upon a time she had dreamed the dreams of every young woman dreams of a happy and a purposeful life I can imagine that she would have desired a fruitful marriage the blessings of children but then the customary time of her uh, impurity prolonged 
And in her desperation, she presented herself to the priest and was declared to be ceremonially unclean. And thus she was really outcast, regarded with little less disdain than a common leper. It's hard to even imagine what her desperate situation would have been. Um, but she found consolation and she found renewal, restoration, and a, a really a new lease on life in her relationship with Jesus. And so may God have his blessing as we consider her story today. You'll remember that Jesus was actually on his way to heal Jairus' daughter. And when you read The Touch of Faith and the Desire of Ages, you find that this, this woman had heard about Jesus and had, at least on one other occasion, attempted uh, to come into his presence, uh, but she was not able to. She was not able to reach him. But uh, then she heard, and he was close enough, and so we have the record of, uh, of her circumstances and her healing. So in Mark chapter 5, I'm going to pick it up in verse 24, that Jesus went with him, that is Jairus, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him, just pressed around him. Um, and it says in verse 25 that a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. Now, I can't just imagine how that would have been because to have been set aside in that society, she would not have had income, uh, not a normal income. You know, she, she would have had a, a really a terrible life. And I can only imagine how emancipated she'd have been. She'd have been very sick and she'd have been in tough life. It says in verse 26 that she has suffered many things from many physicians. She spent all that she had and was no better and rather grew worse. Very desperate situation. And when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and she touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And in verse uh, 29, immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in him, in himself, that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you? And you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. And in verse 33, But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. I just love this story. I just love this story. I love this story because beyond all, all odds, you know, she reached out and, to touch Jesus and to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And the fruit of it was so restorative and so beautiful. And I don't know how it is for you, but I am so thankful for Jesus in my life. I am so thankful. I, I shudder to think what would have happened to Ron Nelson had not someone talked to me about Jesus and had I not chosen to act upon that information and reach out myself. My mother uh, was a woman of faith, although um, she was challenged. And the problem certainly was not my father. My father loved my mother desperately, but she was raised in a home that was pretty dysfunctional and and the problem was well i'd say it was grandpa and i don't know all what happened but grandpa apparently was one of the nicest men you'd ever meet but when he drank he was not a nice man and he left he left the mom and grandma pretty damaged over that even my uncle i mean it was just a mess the problem was that he was a bible thumping christian he was not of a seventh adventist persuasion but in that denomination it didn't matter to drink it was okay right and so uh, he had a problem. He had a problem, and apparently very violent. And because of that, my mother uh, 
she suffered and she uh, she was actually institutionalized twice mentally ill over all that she was a beautiful woman physically uh, she was a good looking lady I remember she had just beautiful eyes um, and she had a good heart and I remember when I was about probably 10 she gave me a New Testament and she said Ron if you want answers to this life's questions you need to read this book now, I have to say, I didn't pay attention to that at that time. I didn't. You know, there was just nothing in my home that would send me that direction. Dad had absolutely zero interest at that time to promote faith. And my mother, I think it was part of her depression that she couldn't really, you know, uh, practice her faith the way that she wanted. But Sandra and I were married when we were 19. We started our family when we were 25. And in the miracle of our daughter's birth, that thought drifted into my mind. Ron, if you want answers to this life's questions, read the Bible. Who do you think sent that? I believe the Lord sent that. I believe the Holy Spirit sent that to me. And so my heart was open when Terry talked to me. It was open. And I decided that I would get a Bible and I would get a look. And I have to tell you that I did find some answers. And, uh, and I'll tell a little bit more about some of those stories tonight. I, I know that you'll be blessed. But faith, you know, it comes, someone has to share usually. But then we have to choose this woman had heard about Jesus. She tried to reach out. She tried to establish herself in such a way that she could be touched by his ministry. And ultimately she did. And when I studied this, I thought about it, that when we reach out to Jesus, something happens. It actually activates God's power so that we might experience renewal. It also elevates God's purpose because it is God's purpose that we live an abundant life. And it's so important. And finally, it gives us the opportunity to really celebrate God's presence. It does. Something happens. Something makes a difference when we pray. I remember when we first came into the church, uh, and a few years later we went down to uh, Abbotsford, British Columbia. And I, I served for two full years, uh, full-time as a, as a literature evangelist. And um, the Commerce, well, he's, he went on, Ken Weeb went on to be the Commerce president in Mansask and now in Alberta. But he was our pastor. And I remember he said, when we pray, it's almost like the devil claims this world is his own. And unless we pray, God's activity is limited. But when we uh, uh, pray, it's like God has a gate. Or excuse me, Satan has a gate. And it's locked. But when we pray, we unlock the gate. And God's blessing really does uh, attend us. And it does make a huge difference. So this lady in her desperation, she positioned herself so that she could reach out tangibly, personally, and experience the reality of Jesus. She reached out and she touched him. And when she touched him, something happened in her body. She recognized that virtue had been restored and integrity had been restored. She'd been healed. But Jesus, recognizing this, he stopped. Something special had happened. And I believe that he knew, but he wanted her to confess, right? What had happened? Who touched my clothes? If you take your Bible and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 41, excuse me, Isaiah chapter 61, we'll see there that uh, this is a, um, a text that, that Jesus actually quoted when he initialed, initiated his, um, his ministry. But he said this, he said, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me 
Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for rashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness and the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And what I love about this is that Jesus is not going to deny grace to anyone, but he talks about those who mourn in Zion. He talks about those that are in the church that struggle. And sometimes, because we don't get what we want or we don't understand God's timing, we do struggle. But we're reminded in this that it is God's will to bless us and to encourage us. My mother, my mother passed away at 42, 42. Second day of grade 12, September 9, 1971. She had an aneurysm. And she hit the floor dead in a doornail, 42 years of age. Now, my mother did not recognize any leading of God in our family. She didn't. I'm sure that she went to her grave believing that her prayers hit the ceiling and nothing. But brethren, uh, I've arranged it, if it's God's will, that Sandra and I will be buried beside my mother. My dad went on to marry again, and his ashes are scattered in Alberta. So his plot was still there beside mom, and I've claimed that plot. And if it's God's will that Sandra and I uh, would be buried there, I can just imagine the first resurrection. I believe that my my mother will come up. And uh, she's never met my wife. We've been married 41 years already, seven grandkids. You know, we, we have full life, all in the church, absolutely blessed. Whatever abuses were in the, my family tree are gone, brethren. My family has been a blessing because of the Bible, because of the influence of God in my life. And I'll be able to say, Mom, Mom, you didn't think that your witness made any difference. But I have some kind of a story to tell you how God's grace had been poured into my life and through my life to my family and beyond my family. So I want to encourage you. You know, we we don't always get the answer when we want it, but I can tell you this, the Lord will give us the answer that is in the center of his will, and he will reveal it at the right time. And what a day of rejoicing that will be for my mother. It'll be a beautiful day for my mother and a beautiful day for me, and I'm grateful for that. And I believe that you can take great courage when we pray, when we decide to reach out for a relationship with Jesus, we activate God's power. God did make a difference in my life. I'm so grateful and I'm so thankful to be a Christian. And so Jesus says to us, you know, come, come to me, all you labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'll give you rest. So the very best option in your circumstance, whatever you're facing today, is to hold on to your faith. It's to hold on and to reach out again and to trust God. It says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4 that we partake of the divine nature through the promises of God. And so take your Bible, brethren. There is, there is strength as we choose that relationship with Jesus and experience the renewal. What if she had not reached out? How sad it would have been. What if she had not reached out? And sometimes, you know, we, we say, oh, we're just discouraged. No, that's the time to reach out. That's the time to reach out and to stay there. And for myself, that's why I sing. That's why I sing and play. 
uh, I tell you what, it's the way that I cope. And I'll tell stories about how God blessed me with songs. I've got a song called The Guardian of Your Heart. It's actually the lead song on my second CD. And it's a song I wrote for my daughter. And it's a, man, she's got it. She's got the, at her, in her house now, she's a teacher in Alberta, but she's got my wife's piano there and she's framed the words to that song. And she's got it there as a memory of God's grace in her life at a time. And I'll tell that story tonight. So I want to encourage you, reach out to Jesus. That's the first step. So when we do exercise our faith, we activate God's power. We experience it personally. Others are blessed. But it also elevates God's purpose. Jesus also said to her, go in peace and be healed. Be healed of your affliction. And that is God's purpose, restoration. He loves us too much to leave us the way that he finds us or we find him. In Psalm chapter 16 and verse 11, we're reminded of the truth of God's blessing when we choose uh, a relationship with him. It says in Psalm 16 and verse 11, it says, You, that is God, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And so we can claim that promise. And even though our circumstances are at times very difficult, We can know that God has an overarching providence and he will reveal it in time. And we can have joy in the knowledge that regardless of our circumstances, his intention is to bless us. I remember in in Kamloops, uh, I went back a number of years later. And you have to understand that sometimes God is not able to fulfill his will in your current circumstance. Sometimes he does move us around, you know. And I didn't particularly want to leave Kamloops. We liked it there, but, you know, God had a plan. And if I had not had circumstances that would have led me down to uh, the lower mainland, uh, I I never would have connected up with people and eventually gone to college. And so I was open to his leading. But there was one fellow, he was quite frustrated. And his frustration, and I've known him for years. We're still good friends. But he said, uh, I'm frustrated, absolutely frustrated. I said, why? He said, well, I'm so frustrated, I don't even pay tithe. I said, well... Why don't you pay tithe? He says, well, I can't make enough money here. And I said, well, wait a minute. You're talking to the wrong guy. Because if God won't bless you in your current circumstances to faithfulness, maybe you need to move. Like, like you're talking to the wrong guy. Because for me, I've always been, and it's my wife too, we're going to be faithful in every area of God's will as revealed in the Bible. We're going to do that. And, and, and so it's important that, that we place ourselves in a relationship with Jesus, but then we respond in obedience to that as well. And when we do that, we can claim the fullness of the promises and we can experience the joy because it is at his right hand that there are pleasures forevermore. And so really to become a Christian is to make the decision to be found faithful in the strength we find in relationship with Jesus. We do that in prayer. We do that by reading our Bibles. And what a blessing it is. In Isaiah chapter 55, Isaiah, uh, you know, he, he bids us to come and to partake of the fullness of that relationship. And what does it say in Isaiah 55, verse 1? It says, Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance and incline your ear and come to me here and your soul shall live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you the sure mercies of David 
Now, my experience, brethren, has been that my conversion has, has, has and continues to grow, but at many levels. And, and I just simply want to say this, that, you know, we all have our testimony. But for me, uh, when I left the Royal Bank and we decided to keep the Sabbath, right, they made the branch that I was an administrative officer in, they made it a Saturday opening branch. So I had to decide. I was always going to keep the truth. I live my life according to the Bible. And Sandra and I went for a walk, and we decided that if there was a God in heaven, he would bless us in our obedience. We just decided, no, we're going to do this. Well, when I went, I, back then, this is uh, like 25-plus years ago, it wasn't the same as it is today. And basically, I, I went to the bank manager, and I told him I wanted to keep the Sabbath, and, and basically the bank made me an offer I couldn't take, and they, they, I was fired. It was over. It was over. And I had nothing, you know. But there was one kind gentleman who served me at a communion service when I first came to church. I think the second time I came to church was a communion service. And he wanted to wash my feet. And uh, I wasn't like, why would you ever do that? And he said, listen, if you let me wash your feet, he says, I will watch out for you spiritually. When I lost my job at the Royal Bank, that man sought me out and he said, listen, I told you I'd watch out for you. I'm going to watch. What are you going to do? And I said, I don't know. I have no idea. He said, well, come and work for me. And he had a junkyard. And I worked eight months in that junkyard. And I got sorted out. I packed batteries and cut pipe and did whatever I needed to do. And you can't imagine the hassle I received from my family. Well, that was really bright. You know, you left a great job with the Royal Bank. You're on your way uh, to be in personnel. I'd been to the towers in Vancouver twice. I was on my way and I left it. I left it for this faith, and now you're working in a junkyard. You can't imagine how difficult that was. Sandra had just given birth to our first baby. You know, there was just all kinds of things that weren't adding up. So I surrendered financially, really. I surrendered financially. Originally, I'd surrendered intellectually. I studied this. I claimed the promise. It made sense to me. No, I'm going to do that. But I went down there. I, uh, I worked as a coal porter. I worked a little bit for the ABC. I had a terrible accident. I fell off a mezzanine. The ladder went. I went 14 feet onto the cement. I, and I thought that I was going to be a... Uh, a paraplegic. I could not feel a thing in my legs. And I had a dream. And in that dream, I, I had committed myself to what I believed to be Jesus, that I would be faithful. And I remember laying on the ground. I couldn't feel my feet. And I said, Lord, if I have to serve you as a paraplegic, I will be faithful. And I remember the power came back into my legs and my feet. And I was so grateful. I surrendered even physically to my Lord. But through that experience, I'd showed a kindness to a young man who himself was troubled. His dad had been in a car accident. I was walking through the youth room to get onto the platform to do scripture reading in church. Didn't even know this guy. And he looked at me, and his eyes were moist. I stopped. He was the same age as me, uh, late 20s. And I said, are you all right? And he said, uh, yeah. And I said, no, you're not all right. Guys our age, we don't just tear up for nothing. Something's, what's up? He said, well, my dad's been in a car accident. I said, are you going to be all right? Yeah. I said, well, that's good. I, I've got to go, go up. I'll pray for you later. That's all I said to him, just to express kindness to this guy. When I fell off the mezzanine, my back was still so compromised I couldn't even carry my books. And so I ended up on welfare. Three months, stood in line. The ongoing humility that was needed, the humiliation of Ron Nelson, I'll tell you what. This fellow phoned me up. I didn't even know him. Phoned me up. And he said, are you Ron Nelson? I said, yes. He said, are you on welfare? I said, yes. 
And he said, well, you shouldn't be on welfare. And I said, well, I know. I, I, I don't even understand anymore why this is happening. I, I, my, I just want to be faithful. I don't understand. He said, well, maybe you don't understand. You don't even need to understand. But you need to come work for me. And I said, well, who are you? He said, well, my name is so-and-so. And uh, we've got a farm, and you come work on our farm, and we'll pay you till you're healthy. Member of the church. Member of the church. I went out there, and I'm t- I told him, I said, listen, you got to understand, I, I am not gifted with my hands. I'm, I mean, I'm, it's embarrassing. You know, my wife is better with her hands than I am. It's just, I, it's embarrassing. But I told him, he said, I don't care. You, you just come, he says, you can work with me, and we'll make it work. Well, I worked there for eight months, and uh, by the time I was done, I was healthy. I mean, they were hard on me, though, boy. I mean, I, they, they, had, they had cows. They had 57 cows, and he could break those bales and take him 20 minutes to feed those cows, and it used to take me two hours. I couldn't even carry the bales. I had to break them and push them on my hands and feet, and he said, I don't care how long it takes you. You just go there, and you stay at it until you get it done. I tell you what, by the time eight months later, I was healthy. They made me dig ditches, and they made me carry things up, and I, was, I just I wanted to get healthy. And by the grace of God, I did. Do you know what? I continued to be healthy in terms of serving the church. I was preaching, and uh, and I ended up at the farm because the parents had gone to California. They, Lindy was, uh, uh, at that time, he suffered from seizures, and so he couldn't be left alone. And I remember I had five different opportunities, and I couldn't understand which had been would be God's will. I, I was they all, And they all came to fruition that week I was there. One of them was to go out to CUC and to become a pastor. And I have to tell you, I submitted my, I didn't even think about it again. Came back and said, you can come subject to financial approval. And I didn't even think about it. To be honest with you, I, I had no idea of that lifestyle in my mind. I had not seen the modeling. I was new in the church. I didn't see it. When the parents came back, I, well, I have to tell you, the final, the final call came in and it was from Hope Church. And this is what they said. They said, we want you to come and do Bible work among the First Nations people in in, uh, in the Fraser Valley, in the canyon there. And uh, we'll put you and your family in a mobile home. We'll pay all your expenses and give you 500 bucks to put in the bank. You, you just stay there and work as long as you want. They'd asked me to be a chaplain and a bit of a book work, uh, book work at the school there. I had a business friend that wanted me to give him a partnership. There was five different things. And and when the final call came in, I, I told them, I was telling everybody, I said, listen, I, I'm, I'm so afraid that I won't do God's will. I, I will not answer. I'm not going to give you an answer. I'm going to pray for two weeks and you can phone me back. So I sat down and I said to Linda, I said, I can't imagine what in the world should I do. I can't imagine what God's will is. Sometimes people say things and then they catch themselves. They can't kind of believe what they said. Lindy said this to me. He says, well, I know what you need to do. You need, to go, you need to be a pastor. You need to go to school. And if you go to school, he says, I'll pay the bill. And I have to tell you, brother, nobody in my life has helped me. Not from my family. I can tell you that straight up. Nothing. And I was, I was, I told him, I said, just forget it. Like, just forget it, you know. But then his dad came back. Three days later, I was out, uh, you know, doing some pruning on some bushes for them in their front yard. And he came, walked up to me and he said, listen, um, Lindy told me about your conversation. And um, I said, yep. And he says, well, uh, you don't see this, do you? And I said, no, I don't see this. And he said, well, the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable, and it's not for you. It's for the church. You may not see this, but if the church sees that, you, you really should pay attention. And he said, if you want to go, if you, and we believe you should go, 
we'll pay the bill. I actually phoned my friend who's at CUC, told my story, and he actually bawled me out. He bawled me out. He said, you blockhead, how many times is God have to kick you in the pants before you listen? How many times? And so I went out. And it's all history from there. Surrender to God. A decision to be found faithful. Conversion, brethren, it's a decision. It's one after the other. And it's, and it's deep. It's not casual. And too many of us, you know, we've been in the peripheries. This, this woman for 12 years. How long had she heard about Jesus? Maybe even she desired a relationship. How long had it been before she took the step to really get close and intimate with Jesus? And it speaks to my heart. Listen, we're living at the very borders of eternity. Do you believe that? Come on, church, you're dead in a doornail. Never heard a thing from you yet. Are, are, are you? Do you believe that? Now, I believe in reverence in the sanctuary. Don't get me wrong. But do you believe that we're going to go home? Do you believe that Jesus is alive today? Well, is your faith strong enough to stand to the end of time? I have no questions about whether I'm converted, but I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, am I ready? Am I ready to give my life for this? You know, those are questions that you need to wrestle with. Because I'm here to tell you today that, that we are on the borders of the kingdom. And this is not just a dream. This is not just a cultural, comfortable place. No, no. We are God's army. We are God's army. Who else is he going to look to if he doesn't look to you? Who else is he going to look to? Brethren, he needs to look to you. And we need a deep relationship with Jesus. It's enough of this just being comfortable in our culture. It's enough of this. And I'm concerned. I'm concerned. Because I think that we need to experience the peace of God. And we need to experience healing at a deeper level. But too many of us, we're just not willing. We're just not willing. We're not willing to get honest in our need and we're not willing to get honest with each other. It's just the truth. We're so siloed up, brethren. We're so siloed up. How many? I mean, really. I mean, I mean, I mean, Sandra and I, we've been wrestling like we need to be inviting our neighbors into our house and we have been. And, we, and you know, what are we doing? Are, are we trying to hide until this, the time of trouble passes or something? Are you kidding? Brethren, God needs you to mingle. You need to be Jesus to the people who are like this woman who are broken and in need of his healing. You need to be Jesus. You need to be accessible. I need to be accessible. And I, I, I just pray that you'll understand my passion, brethren, because there are a lot of people. I tell you what, I went back to Kamloops Church here just last fall. Hadn't been there for quite a few years. And, you know, they're, they're all grateful for the way the Lord has led in my life, and I love those people. And I went back actually to, to find Terry, the guy that first witnessed to me, because Terry has been in and out of the church his whole life. He's, he never did get it. Like George had mentioned about the grace of God and the righteousness of faith. Well, he heard about it, but it never sunk in. Like he's been in and out of the church his whole life. He's lived an awful life, to be honest with you. By thankful, Sandra and I got it. We got it. Terry never got it. I don't know, he resisted. And I decided, no, I'm going to go find him. So I went and found him. You know, his marriage broke up. He, you know, he had some terrible things happen in his life. And I spent a weekend with him. And, uh, you know, he wasn't going to go to church. Um, but I was. And um, it turned out that I, you know, I'd been with my family and I was dressed very casually. I was not dressed like this, but I wasn't going to, I needed a little window. I had a sister there yet I wanted to spend some time with. And um, 
they wanted to go to town on Sabbath, and uh, and we needed to connect up afterwards. And so I was just dressed quite casually, and I walked into church. I said, "Drop me off at the church. I'm not going to go shopping with you guys. Forget that. I'm I'm going to church." So I went to church, and I walked in casually, and only a few of the people recognized me, but most didn't even recognize me. And I told them, I said, "Do you know, you had no idea." when I walked in the door how God would bless my life but why don't we touch everyone in such a way that Jesus can lead them why don't we do that why don't we just purpose in our hearts and our minds to be found faithful to lead people to Jesus so that they might truly be touched by Jesus in our midst and they did, and I, I'm very grateful. And I know, brethren, I could hear, I could sense, like you're, I'm preaching to the choir here. But there is a community here, right, that needs to be touched. They need Jesus, period. And I pray that God would bless you and help you to understand uh, the privilege that he's called us to, not just to be touched more deeply by Jesus, but to create an environment for others to be touched by Jesus. In Christian Experience and Teachings, page 208, says the Lord Jesus is making experiments on human hearts through the exhibition of his mercy and abundant grace. He is effecting transformations so amazing that Satan, with all his triumphant boasting, with all his confederacy of evil united against God and the laws of his government, stands viewing them as a fortress impregnable to his sophistries and delusions. They are to him an incomprehensible mystery. The angels of God, seraphim and cherubim, the powers commissioned to cooperate with human agencies, look on with astonishment and joy that fallen men, once children of wrath, are through the training of Christ developing characters after the divine similitude to be sons and daughters of God, to act an important part in the occupations and the pleasures of heaven. Brethren, we're going to look up one of these days and we are not going to be disappointed. The Lord will come. And whatever we've experienced in here is going to pale into absolute insignificance. We will fully understand our journey. We will. And we will bend the knee and cast the crown and, and surrender to Jesus again. And my appeal to you is why wait till then? Continue to do it every day. And if there's something in your life that's prohibiting you from, from standing up and embracing this or sharing this, then, then settle it with God. We had a remarkable experience at our regional meetings. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we decided, we, we sensed God's leading was, it happened first in Winnipeg. Melvin and Juliet Santos were there talking about the mastership plan of discipleship. And he said, he challenged the people, he said, if there's anything in your heart, in your life, that's prohibiting you, and you'd like to be anointed, that God would give you freedom, then we're going to do that. And we came up to the front, and, and uh, over 100, and probably 130 people were anointed that day. It was amazing. It happened again in Saskatoon. It happened again in Regina. And people were released to do ministry. You know, there was one lady in, in, in Winnipeg, I have to tell you this is the truth. She was so compromised physically, she came up and asked to be renamed. The next day she went for a mile and a half run. She was healed. She was physically healed. I thought I'd hear an amen over that. Honestly. What, why, what, don't you think this can't happen? This can happen. But we have to get deep with Jesus. Deep with Jesus. In a letter written in 1897, December 14th, 
Ellen White writes this. She said, It is your duty, poor afflicted soul, to come to the great healer. He is as much afflicted by your affliction today as when he was upon the earth. He sympathizes with all human woe. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Center your faith so deeply and securely in Jesus Christ that no circumstance of any kind will jostle your faith. Let your life be hid with Christ in God. Come to the place, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether my mind is telling me this doesn't make sense. It doesn't matter whether my circumstances are telling me that this doesn't make sense. I will be found faithful. I will stand as a Christian. You know, are you ready? Are you ready to give it all up? Do you really think your security is found in anything else but in a relationship with Jesus? It's not. It's not. You know, it's interesting. When I became president there, uh, about... Oh, probably three months in, a brother, you know, came into the church, into my office. I, I didn't know him from Adam. I, and to be honest with you, I can't remember his name. And I don't even know why he was there. To be honest with you, he walked into my office, and I don't. I have a nice office, but it's not. You know, I mean, I've been in some really nice offices, and it's nice enough. It's clean. You know, it's a good place. And he comes in, and he he started, in and he says, "Well, you must be thinking like you're pretty big, big guy, nice office like this." I thought to myself, what? What? And I said, well, I'm not sure what your intentions are today. But I said, you know, this office doesn't mean much to me. And he kind of rattled on. And I, I stopped him and I said, listen, um, you got to understand something about me. When I became a Christian... My pastor told me to surrender myself to Jesus at every level that I could, to get involved and to exercise my gifts as I understood them. And if I was faithful in my relationship, the Lord would just place me in, in, into a position of influence as he saw fit. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What matters is whether you're faithful to your gifts and your relationship with Jesus. And he'll do whatever he wants with you. You focus on that. You don't worry about the rest of it. And so I told him, I said, you got to understand, before they made me president, I surrendered myself to Jesus that day. I surrendered my life to Jesus that day, the gifts of his spirit through me to the church that day, and I did his will as best as I could that day. The next day I woke up, asked for forgiveness for things that I understood as he was growing in me, and I did the same thing when I walked into the office. And when I'm done, I will walk out of this office, and I will bend the knee and surrender myself to Jesus in service to his church. This office is nothing but an opportunity God has given to me to be faithful, period. I'm no different. I am no different than you. And we've got to understand, brethren, that if this church is going to stand up the way it does, it's going to be because we intentionally reached out in our circumstances, regardless of our circumstances, to validate our relationship with Jesus. She reached out and she experienced renewal. She reached out and she was restored to the center of God's will in health and in strength. And she experienced an opportunity with Jesus to celebrate his presence. I reminded you that really this happened. It was kind of like, a, the story is kind of a, a, in parentheses because Jesus was on his way to heal Jairus' daughter. You know, she reached out. He wasn't even, you know, it was like she was a sidebar. But the grace of God was more than adequate for her. But I can imagine her staying with the crowd and, and I can imagine her being in the crowd when Jesus came back out with the girl who'd been dead, who is now alive. And the Bible tells us that the people there, they were overcome with great amazement. 
Brethren, when people come into our midst, they should experience that great amazement because we have been with Jesus. They really should. And I know that they should. And I, I've been telling our people, I said, you know what? To me, to be in church on Saturday, that's not enough. We need to be church every day. I've been challenging our people, would you please give Jesus one more day? Would you open up your homes? Would you please open up your homes and bring your neighbors into your homes? Would you please do that? Because, brethren, I tell you what, before we're done, we're not going to have church buildings. We might as well get used to this. We might as well get used to this. And quite frankly, we have to earn the trust of people. We have to be the Jesus that they will reach out to to experience the grace of God. And I want to challenge you to do that. Every moment of every day, every certain breath is but a reflection of God's divine love and His mercy to us. And what a privilege it is to be a Christian. Listen, my name is Ron Nelson. I'm a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. I love the Lord, brethren. I love the Lord. He means everything to me. I am so grateful. When I became a Christian, I didn't lose a life. I got a life. Don't talk to me about how hard it can be. I tell you what, it can be hard, but it's not too hard for Jesus. And I, and I, and I know what it's like, brethren. I know what it's like to have absolute... I've been humiliated at every level you want to think about, but I was found faithful. And I tell you what, God has been more than good to me. More than good to me. I've got a few years left, a couple years left. I don't, you know, whatever the Lord would have me to do, I don't care. But you know what? I've had the privilege to preach this gospel all through across Canada, all across into the States. Been to Germany, been to Fiji, been to Australia, been to Alaska. Next year I'll have a chance to go to Brazil. Are you kidding me? And we're sitting around wondering about whether this is worth it. Listen, if we get deeply surrendered, it's more than worth it. God will give you the opportunity to share your faith. But it starts at home. It starts in your community. It starts there. Are you utterly surrendered to Jesus? That's my question to you. Please say yes, church. Please say yes. Every moment of every day, every certain breath is but a reflection of His divine love and His care and His mercy. He originally chose to give our race the dominion and it's His desire to restore and reclaim us back into harmonious beauty of His will. Every situation, even the difficult ones, are tools that God uses for us to anticipate and experience His divine intervention. And like this woman, we need to recognize our utter helplessness and reach out by faith to Jesus. So as we close, I want to close with a song that I wrote. It's not, I haven't recorded this song yet. But I, I was so touched. I was thinking about, man, to have been there with Jesus. To be touched with Jesus. If the Lord would only touch us again. I, I, I pray for it every day. I want to be touched by Jesus. I don't want to wait for the second coming of Christ to experience His fullness. And I don't believe you do either. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here in church. So, may God bless you. And may His Spirit increase your faith to take you through whatever you're facing. Listen, His timetable may be different, but it's never erring. He knows exactly what He's doing. And some of these things we'll understand when Jesus comes again, just like my mother. She'll understand when Jesus comes again. And I'm going to tell you what, she will skip with absolute joy in God's leading. She will. And I believe that we will too. So with that, I pray that God would, uh, would encourage us, that our faith might activate his power, that we might elevate his purpose, and that ultimately we might celebrate in God's presence.